Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today is Thursday, November 12th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 382 featuring NBC Sports Boston producer Max Letterman is brought to you by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag right now for your exclusive sign-up bonus. Welcome in, everyone, to a new edition of Celtics Beat. There's a lot happening, obviously, in the season NBA communities. Not all of it good. If you're a Celtics fan, you certainly know that. Welcome in. I'm Adam Kaufman, joined, as always, by producer, sometimes host, Evan Valenti, and Max Letterman, who is coming on the show for, uh, I think, the first time. Definitely the first nope. time that I have been hosting anyway. Have you been on with Evan here? I've been on oh, yeah. with that, and so is my cat. My cat definitely made an appearance the last time I was on here. Yeah, that's correct. That is correct. What the hell do I know, then? I'll just get out of here and you guys hang out. How are you, buddy? How's everything going? You know, uh, not bad, all things considered. Uh, no complaints in my personal life, and, uh, you know, we're getting basketball back. But, you know, obviously it's a, a bit of a somber week, uh, I think, for everyone here in Boston. So, you know, just going off of that and, uh, you know – there's so much going on. You know, you've got the NBA draft coming up on Wednesday at this point, uh, NBA free agency beginning on Friday, short little moratorium, a couple days later, signings become a final. The season will begin December 22nd for uh, a lot of teams, December 1st players report for training camp. So there's, there's a ton happening, but I think the appropriate place obviously to start for a variety of reasons is the fact that the Celtics family community, uh, the NBA family, the NBC Sports Boston family lost uh, just such a significant piece with the passing of Tommy Heinsohn, who um, it, it's anything that you could say about Tommy Heinsohn at this point in time almost feels cliche because it has been said so many times by so many people, so much smarter than me and so much more connected than him, obviously, uh, than I am. But all of it's true. You know, none of it is actually cliche. And you start first and foremost with the fact that Tommy Heinsohn was the Celtics, you know, going back to when he out of Holy Cross entered the NBA 1956 and, you know, joined the Celtics family, never left. He is the only person in history to be part, to have a, a, a piece in all 17 banners that the Celtics have raised, obviously to the various garden rafters first as a player and then as a coach a broadcaster for the last four decades. Uh, he's a, a two-time Hall of Famer, as people know. Uh, frankly, I, I find it bothersome that he's uh, not yet a three-time Hall of Famer and didn't get to experience that 
during his life, because I know it just would have been a, another incredible speech when he does go in ultimately as, as a commentator. But, you know, you, part of the reason that we have you here, Max, is because, um, you know, you're like us, you weren't around when he was a player or coach, but whereas we grew up listening to Tommy and watching Tommy, you over the last many, many years had the chance to really get to know Tommy behind the scenes on a personal level, working with him and establishing a personal relationship beyond that. And so obviously our, our, you know, thoughts to you and in, in a more personal loss for you, but you know, what were all these years like just, just being around Tommy such, you know, that legendary presence that he is. Man, I can't even tell you the thrill of uh, my professional career for sure uh, was getting to work alongside someone like Tommy who just like, he just drips basketball like greatness off of him when he walks by you. You just feel smarter. Uh, just and what was uh, great for me is that so I I grew up in Philadelphia and I had never heard of Tommy because uh, you know I just wasn't a student of the game. And I came up to Boston for college at Northeastern and I put on a Celtics game. I'm like, who is this Homer on, you know, on the golf <laughs> Celtics? Um, that's, that's the reaction that everyone gets, uh, that's not familiar with Tommy, but you very quickly, you buy in, you lean into that. And that is the, uh, that is what he's known for, uh, you know, I think around the nation is the, is the Homer, but not in a negative way. I mean, he just loves the Celtics. And, uh, so in the way that, uh, you know, Adam, you were in our newsroom a couple of times back in Burlington before we moved. The way that it was set up, we had a little Celtics pod where it was me, another producer, and Kyle Draper were sitting. And there was just a chair that someone randomly put next to my desk. And I don't know why Tommy just started sitting there about five years ago. And so it was like we just hung out before every show. And I would get these looks from uh, my producer sometimes, like just, you know, I'd be behind trying to get all my graphics ready for the pregame show. And he's like, I could just tell he was thinking, don't ask Tommy anything. Anything. And Tommy, I mean, he would just, we would just be, and, and the whole newsroom would stop what they were doing and just listen to Tommy talk about some random experience he had in 1979. <laughs> he could just hold a room. He was a great storyteller. He was incredibly nice. And he played along with every every kind of nonsense that we threw his way. Uh, even if he didn't understand it or have any idea what was going on, he would just, he would just say something funny. He'd be like, whatever, you know, and it was just great. Um it was a real pleasure. And, uh, and I would, uh, you know, as our relationship grew, like at first, you know, you're a little intimidated when you meet someone like that. And, you know, especially as an older guy, can't really hear as well as he used to. So, you know, when you're trying to tell someone like that, a joke and they can't hear you and you got to repeat the punchline seven times and then realize, (laughs) Oh man, one, it wasn't a good joke to begin with. And two, there's this just never going to land. We had a couple awkward moments like that in the early going, but afterwards, uh, it was just all great. And, uh, you know, Tuesday was a sad day for sure. Um, but I think the last couple of days have been good to just, uh, to just see the people honoring him and just see how loved he was. And, you know, we all knew it, but, um, just to see the act, the absolute outpouring and it's still kind of weird to think that he's gone, but, you know, I'm sure the Celtics will do something great to honor him and, you know, he'll never be forgotten. And I don't know if anyone will ever, um, be able to do what you were, you know, you were talking about all the accomplishments, but, you know, being with the same franchise for, you know, 60 years, over 60 years, winning all those championships, being part of all those championships uh, and just really personifying the Boston Celtics. You know, I, I'm not just saying this because you're here. I, I tweeted this out. I, I feel it very strongly. The, 
you know, and I, I realize obviously Tommy had had deteriorated health in, in recent months and years for that matter that he was kind of in and out of. So I'm, I'm sure in, in some sense, you guys were able to not just mentally, but quite literally prepare for whenever this day came so that you could honor him and in the proper way. But NBC Sports Boston's programming in the aftermath of Tommy passing was just exceptional. You know, all the different voices that you guys brought on from, you know, Danny and Brad and Paul Pierce and Doc Rivers, uh, various analysts, you know, like Jackie McMullen, Chris Mannix, obviously Kyle Draper and Brian Scalabrini and, um, you know, there, uh, Mike Gorman, you know, goes without saying, um, so many that, and, and some that I'm not even thinking of here in this moment, but it was just, it was really captivating television, interesting, um, fun, you know, funny, you know, a lot of great stories did even getting to know him as you did. Did you find that listening to those people, I don't know. You were further being let behind the curtain. You were you were learning even new stuff that that you didn't realize, despite all the time that you spent with him or or specials that you guys put together about the you know the the '86 team and and the '08 team and and the hand that he probably had in those. Yeah, absolutely. You learned tough a ton of stuff, and I tell you. Um, so when I got the call uh, from my boss that uh, with the news on on Tuesday. Um, you know, it was just about business. It was like, you know, unfortunately, you know, we, you know, throughout the years, there'd been, you know, moments where we're like, all right, just kind of be on alert. You know, we're not sure about Tommy, uh, his health, you know, he had a couple hospital stays, uh, you know, and we couldn't tell anyone anything. And people were always like, where's Tommy? Where's Tommy? And we wish we could, but I mean, that's his privacy and things like that. But, um, you know, uh, so there were some scares in the past. So I wasn't really sure. Um, I was hoping that, that it wasn't going to be, uh, this time around. But when I got the call, it was really just about the show. It was about let's, you know, let's just get right to it. Cause you know, it was our way of honoring him. Um, and as much as I wanted to just like, you know, take a minute and be like sad, it was like, let's just go, let's just, you know, knock it out of the park. And I tell you what, uh, you know, you don't really need to give us credit for the, 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 or the guests that came on because, you know, you guys, I'm sure, have, have put requests out for, you know, anybody involved with professional sports. It's not the easiest thing. Uh, no one said no, ever, with the Tommy stuff. That just shows you, that's that's Tommy's impact right there. People wanted to come on and talk about him and talk about uh, their great experiences with him and help honor him. And I was really proud of that show, and I was proud of our programming all night, uh, and I appreciate you saying that. But, um, you know, just for Tommy, it was all for him, and you know, hopefully we'll have some more stuff, um, you know, coming. I don't know any plans, but I'm sure we'll have some more ways to honor him throughout the season and just forever. I mean, we got the Tommy Award. That's never going to go away. Um, you know, and what's funny about the Tommy Award is that a couple of years ago, I thought Marcus Smart wasn't winning them enough. And I <laughs> and Tommy came, you know, sat down at my desk and I gave him a packet of stats and articles. And I was like, Tommy, I got a bone to pick with you. Marcus Smart is not winning the Tommy Award enough. This is ridiculous. And he, he broke it down for me. He was like, well, I'll tell you why. He's like, you know, he set the bar too high for himself the year before. He's like, the Tommy Award's about exceeding my expectations for you. It's not just about doing what you always do. And Marcus is too good at those things now. I want, you know, I need more. And I was just like, wow, I'm an idiot. I shouldn't have brought it up. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and now there's going to be even more pressure on Scal not to just give it to the team's, you know, highest scorer like he does right. normally. Kyrie Irving has the single season record for most 
Tommy Awards. And that's well, just, that's not right. No, no, yeah, that. that's that's that's, that's like that's that's Tommy right. wasn't involved in giving those out that year. Yeah. No, Tommy, that was a year that Tommy was not. Uh, he was not with us that often. Uh, he had a bunch of different issues that year, a couple different ones. So um, I feel like it doesn't count if, if Tommy doesn't give it to you. I feel like if Tommy gives you all <laughs> the Tommy points, well, I'm just, my point being <laughs> the record has got to be, we got to go back in time a little bit. If we're going to figure that out. Cause like, look, I, I love watching Kyrie Irving like play basketball, but like Kyrie Irving is not what the Tommy award's all about. Right. It's just not. Uh, and, you know what? It, was, it just shows you what kind of season that was. It was just a right. bad season where we all were just, eh, uh, <laughs> to the highest score on the team, whatever. Um, but yeah, no, I, we have, we track it. Uh, there's a couple people at our, our company that have been tracking it since it first started. We got a great spreadsheet with all the Tommy award facts that you need, but it doesn't say who gave it. Tommy usually gives them. Um, but I can go back and I'll, I'll go back to every single post, uh, post game, uh, record and see, and I'll mark, I'll put a little asterisk next to Kyrie's name and just say, there you go. Al gave like 20 of the 22 or whatever it was. So, uh, but yeah, uh, the Tommy award will live on and we'll find ways to honor him. Um, it's going to be weird though. It's definitely going to be weird. I don't think I'm, I'm uh, sorry. I was just going to mention, I'm, I'm sure that you guys both saw this, but for anyone out there that didn't, Tony Allen. That's on, I was uh, going the there. Chris yeah. Vernon show. Well, please, yeah. you, you could tell the story that well, I'm not talking enough. It's it's a great, you know, Chris Vernon, who does a great job. He does uh, radio down in Memphis, and he works in the ringer as well. Um, he has Tony Allen on quite frequently. I think he's a, a, a weekly guest for him, if not, yeah. like, very frequently. And he had Tony Allen on talking about Tommy Heinsohn, and, and Tony was talking about how much he looked forward to at the end of the, the game going to the TV and seeing if he won the Tommy award. Like he would talk about how much like he would, he would have a play where he'd dive on the floor for a loose ball or he'd shut somebody down defensively and be like, I wonder if I got a Tommy point for that. I'll have to check that out later. Like, like he'd go home and watch the film. He'd check out the broadcast. Oh yeah. He'd watch the film. He'd watch, he'd rewatch the entire game just to see if he got a Tommy point. And like, my point with that is like for the people that don't understand, I mean, if you're watching this show and you're watching this episode, you probably have an idea of, what Tommy Heinsohn means to Boston Celtics. And if you don't, like, this is a player, you know, back in 2008, you know, that was part of a, a magical championship run who looked forward to the postgame show seeing if he got a Tommy award. And you look at that, you can look at any player now or any player between, you know, 19-whatever and now. Like, Tommy Heinsohn has had an impact on almost every single player that's ever put on a Boston Celtics uniform. Like he's had conversations. He's probably talked with them about certain things he'd like them to add and, and work on in their games. Like this is, and I don't mean to be like hyperbolic here because the Boston Celtics have had a lot of unbelievable parts of their history. I mean, Bill Russell is, you know, way at the top, right? Hour back, way at the top. But Tommy in his own way, because of his longevity, because of positions on the team mm-hmm. is like the tippity top of the ladder, like even over Bill and even over Red. So, you know, it might sound ridiculous and it might be, you know, hyperbolic, as I said, but like Tommy deserves like his own spot in the rafters, in my opinion, just based on, I mean, literally every, what, since 1950, what, like 56, 56 to 2057 was the first one. Yeah. That rookie to 2018 or 2020, excuse me. I don't even know what year it is because of what's going on right now. 2020, (laughs) he's had an impact on pretty much every single player that's walked through the doors whether it's the TD Garden or Boston Garden or the Garden outside wherever, like that's an incredible track record. And if you have guys like Tony Allen, who's, you know, not 
the superstar of the team, but a guy that was very impactful. Like that guy ran to the TV after the game to see if he got a Tommy Ward. That is the, just the stuff that we talk about with Tommy Heinsohn having an impact on the Boston Celtics, and he's just going to be a, a guy that we, we, we sorely miss for sure, Max. And he uh, definitely – he told me that uh, some of the drills that he would, he would recommend for Marcus Smart with shooting in the early parts of his career. So, I mean, I don't know how much of an effect that that was, but I'm going to give Tommy all of the credit other than Marcus sure. himself yeah. for, uh, for becoming a league average shooter after that uh, rough start to his mm-hmm. career. But, you know, Tommy believed in him and, uh, you know, he, he talked to all those guys and they just revered him. And you hear that with all, all the ones that come on. Uh, you know, that we're talking about, Tommy, or even just, you know, just throughout the years. I mean, you just – we be I can't tell you how many times we'll be doing our pregame uh, hits with Mike and Tommy on the court, and in the middle of a live shot, you know, a player, a former player comes over, or a coach, Doc Rivers or someone, just comes over and just interrupts us. Like, there's a camera. <laughs> and it's that – those are those golden moments that we love in live television. It's like, yeah, it, it's not screwing up our show. It's making our show better. Uh, and it's all because the relationships that Tommy has. And um, I'm waiting for the refs to tweet something out, though. I, I, I <laughs> check the game for him. Like, come on, refs. We need a, we need a, a RIP Tommy or something because that, that, I mean, Gorman had the line of the night uh, on our show where he said, you know, I'm in a better place, you know, unless they put him somewhere near the officials, then it's not going to be any good. <laughs> <laughs> Should be an honorary technical foul called by the refs. Like as soon as the season starts, just like tee up Scal. Just be like, no, nah, give a tee up Scal just for just for Tommy. You know, <laughs> I, yeah, I like it. Yeah. Are there sides of of Tommy that you know you got to know? Obviously, that that none of us saw or even knew about. I mean, every, I think at, at this point in time, most everyone knows that you know beyond being a uh, an NBA icon and and an all-time great uh, across the different fields, you know, not just, you know, playing, coaching, and, and commentating. Certainly, he's an accomplished painter, and a lot of people at this point in time have seen his artwork on social media, but for anyone that wasn't aware, um, you know, big reader, really a, a historian. I know that was something Mike Gorman talked about on your programming. Is Were there sides of Tommy that that you got to know that, you know, no one else was really let inside on? You know, Tommy is like he, I, I, especially now, like the last like ten, fifteen years, I, he didn't care about what anyone thought of him. He was just entrenched. He's like, I am who I am. You know, he's not trying. I think that's to- part of getting old too. Yeah, it's just part yeah. of getting old. And so, <laughs> I think he was pretty much authentic. Like he, the way he was on TV is the way he was in in the office. He's just a a, a jolly guy. Uh, he was never grumpy, like with the refs um, in the in the newsroom or anything like that. But well, I'll tell you one thing, and I don't know if people know this about him or not. He's just an incredible memory. I mean, the recall, he would be uh, someone one time, Tommy just happened to be sitting next to me. Somebody tweeted, Max, ask Tommy about his Miller Lite commercial uh, with Rodney Dangerfield. And I was like, Tommy, somebody just asked me to ask you about this. And he talked for like, 15 minutes about guy <laughs> like connected him with this other guy that, you know, and where they were It's like, Oh, he was, he was, he worked at an agency out in New York and he just could go and name drop people. And, uh, and we're all just sitting there like, how do you remember these names? Like not famous people, just like backroom people that worked the deal out for him. Uh, an incredible memory. And, uh, and just a joy. And he loved talking and telling stories and, 
and we loved listening to it. And, and like I said, the biggest thing is that he was just always game. Like, um, we all remember the, a couple seasons ago, he was talking about, uh, Aaron Baines just being very fit. All, uh, all of and, Australia. Right. And it came off sounding like he was talking <laughs> about a certain body part of Aaron Baines, which was yeah. hilarious. Uh, one of the classic Tommy moments. Uh, and we were debating whether we wanted the next time he was in was like about a week later, uh, for one of our shows. We were, we were debating whether we wanted to bring it up or not as like a joke with him. Cause it was like a Saturday and Saturdays are always just where we kind of let loose. Um, and, and I told my boss, I was like, I'm not going to ask him, you know, you make me go ask him, you know, which role he wants or which player he wants to talk about at halftime. You know, I always, I got to go get him sandwiches and stuff. I'm not going to ask him that uncomfortable question. And so my boss, Jim, uh, Jim Aberdale was like, so Tommy, um, we were gonna, we were thinking about maybe, I don't know if you heard anything about the Aaron Baines. He's like, oh, the all of Australia thing. My granddaughter has been texting me all week about it. <laughs> And he was just laughing about it and he didn't care. And he was, he was totally game. Uh, he just, he didn't take himself too seriously. And uh, like I said before, if, if there was ever anything that we were doing that it was just kind of over his head, like, or he just didn't, didn't care to know about it. He just played along. He played along and just said something funny. Uh, and it was a real, a real like lucky thing. Cause with his status, he could have just been like, no. But he wasn't. He never said no. The only time, like, we started sending him home early, uh, so he didn't stay for the whole post-game show. He didn't stay for the last two blocks. That was a choice we made. That wasn't for him. Or that wasn't what he – he didn't say, I need to go home earlier. Mm-hmm. It was a choice that we made because we didn't want to keep him up so late. Um, you know, he was always game. He played along with everything that we asked, and uh, I really appreciated that about him. Yeah, uh, I just, mean, was, I, 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 I wish, you know – I'm glad that we had the weird Celtics Twitter Tommy Heinsohn like clash convergence because because <laughs> I got anything that Tommy says is like immediately memeable. I mean I think it's it's pretty easy and like in Tommy's particular uh, there's one where he's like he has the easel and he's got this big huge grin on his face and he's like smiling at the camera and the amount of people that have put stuff there uh, and the things that they put there inside that easel is just amazing. Was he aware of how much of a star he was in the world, weird Celtics Twitter world? Was he aware of that? Yeah, I, I, he knew. So he knew the term weird Celtics Twitter. We had him do uh, the post-game segment a couple times when it first started. Um, and he was funny. He was really funny. Uh, I had one. Uh, I don't know if, like, specifically he knew about, like, that, uh, like, the big meme guy he was. But we showed him plenty of memes with him uh, involved. But uh, there was one, one uh, in 2018 on Earth Day, there was one segment where him and Mike were both on because it was the playoffs and we didn't have the game. So they came in to do our, uh, our studio shows. And he, um, and I did this little intro about the, because the Celtics were doing really bad in the first half and then they, they started coming back in the second half. And I talked about this, this frog, this frog that was supposed to be endangered or that was about to die or be extinct. And it came back. I was trying to be positive. I was like, Hey, you know, you know, I botched it of course uh, on live television, but I, I spit it out. Uh, and then I, I led into a Yano's tweet about uh, them being bad. And then I asked Mike and Tommy, are you guys Yano's? And, and Mike was funny. He was like, I'm on the fence here. And then Tommy had no idea what we were talking about. And he just, <laughs> it was like, after like a couple second pause, he was like, I'm going with the frog. And it was just so funny. Uh, and that's what was great about Tommy is that, like I said, I can't say this enough. He was game for anything. 
And there was a lot of times where the bosses were like, eh, we maybe don't want to do this weird, like, meme internet thing with him. Uh, and the few times that I, w- I was really passionate about it, I'm like, man, what's going to happen? Like, the worst thing that's going to happen is that I'm going to look stupid on TV. And sometimes that's funny, so who cares? So, uh, yeah, he was aware of the weird Celtics Twitter stuff, um, but I don't know to what extent. In, uh, I guess in your experience, whether it's on camera or just in conversations with him, and unless he ever delved into this historically, it would really only span your relationship going back 10, 15 years. But is, was there a, um, I mean, did he have a favorite Celtic, you know, maybe a modern day Celtic? It, like, was it Marcus Smart? Was it someone like Smart? Was, was there that, you know, other, we all know, like going back to when I was a kid, like the I love Walter stuff, like he loved Walter McCarty and guys like, but who were some of his, you know, more favorite players in recent years? You know, uh, he definitely loved Marcus. Um, I'm not sure exactly. I never asked him. That's a really good question. There's, you know, there's so many things that I wanted to ask him. There's so many like ideas that I have. Like, let's just come up with a list of questions. Just go to Tommy's house with a camera and just ask him stuff. Um, but you know, then the pandemic happened and, you know, uh, we missed our chance and, and I never asked him, uh, who his favorite Celtic of all time is. I, you know, I'm sure he said it somewhere we have to look into that because it's a really good question. Like who is his favorite Celtic? I know he loved Larry, um, uh, but uh, out of the modern guys, you know, he's a big Tatum guy, really big Tatum guy. And, you know, obviously he loved Marcus. You know, Marcus got a lot of those Tommy awards. Um, So if I had to guess, I'd say Marcus, but he never told me specifically. Maybe the steamer, Uh, Greg Steamsma, who he could bring to Bill Russell. So maybe I'm going to (laughs) throw Greg Steamsma out there. I love it. I love that. That, I was in the – when he said that, I'll never forget that. Nobody, I, nobody has ever. I remember watching that. the game, just going, yeah. "Did I hear that right?" And then I probably tweeted it, like Tommy Heinsohn said. But we you all, know, we I all heard like, it right. Here's the thing: I'll tell you this. Um, just like Iverson's practice rant, I understand what he was trying to say. Like Iverson was talking about, you guys are asking me about practice, but you're not asking me about these games where I'm the best player in the league. Uh, Tommy, yeah. what Tommy was saying was. Not that Greg Steams is the next Bill Russell. He's like, this kid has the, the, his instincts and quick twitch reaction for blocking shots are the best I've seen since Bill Russell, which is crazy, but uh, is uh, as <laughs> crazy. Just a little less crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's just less crazy than he's the next Bill Russell. Um, so, like, I understood what he was trying to say, <laughs> if that makes it better. Uh, we'll take a uh, quick break here just to tell you folks that, uh, of course, the NFL season continues this week. Matter of fact, today being a Thursday, Week 10 kicks off tonight. A few surprise teams at the top of the standings. You may not be at a game this year. Most people aren't. You can still, though, be in on the action at Bet Online. Consider these NFL futures right here. Chiefs defending Super Bowl champs, plus 50 odds, uh, 350 odds to repeat. The Steelers, who are still the NFL's only unbeaten at plus 575, although Ben Roethlisberger, among others, dealing with uh, being on the COVID list right now, so maybe wouldn't run to put money down this weekend. Saints plus 725 after just blowing doors off Tom Brady's Buccaneers, but the Bucks right behind at plus 800. The Ravens, led by Lamar Jackson, they're visiting Foxborough Sunday night to take on the Patriots, plus 900. Same odds for Aaron Rodgers and his bleep you tour this season. And uh, Seahawks, led by Russell Wilson, who is playing at an MVP uh, caliber campaign, all plus 900. So 
you'll notice I didn't give you the Patriots odds because probably nobody's a believer in them at the moment. No matter how schedules, uh, yeah, just <laughs> took them right off the board. No matter how uh, schedules change or players that play, uh, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every single game this season with the fastest updated odds in the entire industry. There are always more options to wager than there are anywhere online as well. Head to Bet Online today. Take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online your online sportsbook experts. So as we return to the program here with Max Letterman, who, of course, uh, uh, producer as well as uh, a content creator and uh, a guy that shows up on camera quite a bit with his weird Celtics Twitter stuff going on as uh, part of the post-game shows. And uh, I would also say for you, Max, someone who has revolutionized the way that lower third graphics are done on television that it comes back to you, my friend. And this is that you're starting to see it in other markets regionally. You're seeing it nationally. ESPN has followed suit in a lot of different ways. The, the sarcastic uh, downright, sometimes offensive approach. And I say that in a uh, not offensive in the sense that anyone would actually get offended, but comedically offensive ways that you guys have put some of your graphics together at points is uh yeah, I don't think you get enough credit for that. You get plenty of credit for it. I don't think you get enough credit. Well, thank you. I'm going to forward this uh, to my boss for sure. Yeah, tell Kevin uh, I said hello. But no, at the end of the day, <laughs> I, it's about time. What were we waiting for? Uh, really, I to me, I've always – like, we're sports, man. It's sports. Let the news people have their serious names in lower thirds uh, for their graphics. We're just here for entertainment to have fun. And uh, it, you know – Honestly, one of the first ones I did was years and years ago. I was doing a uh, a, a Felger and Maz uh, little news update for the simulcast. Mm-hmm. So on camera, I was writing those, uh, and I just didn't want to do it. I was like, I was bitter. I, I it was a <laughs> shift, and I was just annoyed by it. And I was like, oh, I hate having to do these. And so I just wrote a really sarcastic script, and I put in a sarcastic Bruins banner. It was like Bruins, un, you know you know, 67 day uh, streak without losing a game. Cause it was the summer. It was the off season. Uh, and that got screen grabbed. And I was a little worried um, cause people were tweeting about it. And I got called into uh, John Zanis's office uh, yeah. at the time. And he just said to me, he's like, whatever. I saw what you did with that update. And I was like, um, okay. And he was like, I liked it. And that was it. And I was like, okay. All right. <laughs> I didn't get in trouble for that. And so then I kept pushing it with uh, Jim Aberdale for Celtics. You know, everyone saw it. And I always, you know, we had a, a preview function for our graphics. And I would, oh, it was just my thing to just put jokes in the lower third graphics and just preview them, you know, just for fun. And never thinking that they would actually be on TV. Never anything like really bad because you just don't play that game. Uh, but just jokes and stuff. And one day it was the Marcus Smart uh, Combat Muscles one. Jim said, yes. I was like, Hey, what do you think of this? And he was like, okay. And I was just like, Oh, it's just been whenever. And yeah, I see it uh, on all different, um, you know, different markets. I've seen ESPN do some and I'm here for it. I just love it. I think that, uh, and, and you don't force it. I think they're stupid when you force them. Um, you know, cause I had people from our web department say, Hey, let us know when you're going to do one. It's just like, we don't know. I mean, Mark yeah, just happens. Yeah. And it, that's the thing. It's like, especially after like a really bad game, nobody wants a stupid joke. Uh, and, and some jokes are just played out. Some, you just, 
when it's there, it's there. When it's not, it's not. I just like, uh, I appreciate people giving me credit for it. Um, there's a lot of really funny people that I work with that also do them. Um, Mark Hazlett's one of them who I work with uh, for Celtic stuff. He's some of the really good ones he's done uh, as well. Like the Ben Simmons, uh, I can't remember the exact word, but he had one where Ben, ben Simmons got dunked on, I think by Tatum a couple seasons ago. He had a just, a really lethal one that, that went viral. Uh, now I remember the dunk. It was in Philly, right? Yeah. So I was at the game. Yeah, uh, I remember that one. Yeah. So I didn't, I was not working on that uh, post game show, but that was a great one. Yeah. So it's not just me, but I, uh, I appreciate you saying that and I want more people to do it. I think that we should, I don't think we should be serious. Sports are supposed to be fun. Well, John Zanis is, uh, is with us now, as you know, at CLNS, and I'm, I'm sure he'll be very happy that he got the shout-out. And, uh, well, and John was a great – I know he really was a great uh, great influence for my career, and it wasn't just because he didn't fire me for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, what I, what I want to get into, though, here, uh, especially in the interest of time, I want to make sure we have enough time to really dissect this, is uh, – you know, because we could go on for for days, weeks about Tommy Heinsohn and fun stories and his impact on the NBA and the Celtics, and and we still wouldn't have enough time. But things that are directly impacting this team right now, uh, it, it kind of started with uh, a friend of all of ours, Kevin O'Connor over at the Ringer, who tweeted out earlier today. Sources, the Celtics have emerged as a potential destination for Pelicans guard Drew Holiday. Boston could package its three firsts, 14, 26, and 30, to move into the lottery and flip that pick to New Orleans. Uh, more details, rumors, in his latest mock draft. You should always check out Kevin's mock draft. That you know, He's been doing that for years and years and years and since he was doing it for free, and uh, no one was reading it. Now, you know, tons of eyeballs. He's uh, obviously really good at what he does. But uh, so – that goes out. And of course the, the reports, I mean, Danny spoke this week, Danny Ainge and, and acknowledged as much. He doesn't want to have four rookies and he's, you know, looking into trades and the whole, it takes two to tango and stuff that he's always said. We know that, you know, he never goes into a draft wanting to use all those picks. It just, uh, you know, has happened quite a bit in recent years, but um, you know, those rumors have been out there of, of potentially trading up or trading out or whatever it may be. And, so Kevin, Kevin does that. I send out a tweet shortly thereafter, which maybe you saw it. It, it didn't say sources or rumor or a report or it was, this was not me trying to break news, but I, but I did put out a tweet that seemed to break the internet and, and continues to get traction here uh, for better or worse. And I said, it's possible that the Celtics flip picks and Kemba Walker to the Pelicans for Drew Holiday Got to make the math work, right? And those two being together, that doesn't make sense. And send Gordon Hayward to the Pacers for a deal involving Miles Turner. Boston could once again transform its roster pretty significantly after a run to the East Finals. And then shortly after that, you had uh, this guy, Evan Massey. I'm not familiar with his work, but he's written at a bunch of different sites. Says, Celtics and Pacers have discussed the framework of a Miles Turner for Gordon Hayward swap. Uh, other pieces would be included, something to keep a close eye on, to which, of course, I was like, oh, you don't say. Yeah, makes sense. But tell me, Max, uh, as you have followed along with this stuff over the, uh, you know, not only the weeks leading up to where we are, but obviously this news today, does this make sense to you? Do you like this? Do you buy into it? Do you think that my tweet is annoying? How do you feel about all of this? Well, I think most of your tweets are annoying, but not specifically. Well, that's true. Our, our friend Billy Delaney will vouch for that. Yeah, no, uh, but no, it's to me, um, I think, I don't think that Drew Holiday and, and Kemba Walker can't work together. Uh, I think they would be great. I think uh, Drew has been playing off the ball. 
uh, a good amount the last couple of years. He's obviously a point guard, but he's been playing the two. Uh, I think he would fit. I think he would form uh, him and Marcus. Uh, and, you know, if you get Jalen out there too, you know, you're going to have a pretty f- uh, formidable defensive, uh, you know, backcourt combo there. And then, you know, Kemba obviously has got his defensive limitations, but it's just, I think if you're going to acquire someone like Drew Holiday, isn't one of the big issues that the Celtics need is depth at guard, really, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you're gonna, so if you're swapping Kemba, you're not really addressing the depth issue. And I know Drew's been healthier in recent years, but you forget when he got traded to the Pelicans from the Sixers, the first like four years or three years, it was like, I mean, he barely played with injury after injury, not related, kind of like Hayward where it was like fluky stuff. Um, so I would say Hayward would be the guy. And um, Kevin O'Connor was on our, our draft preview show that we taped earlier. Um, and he said that it's not necessarily, and he was just, you know, I think he was speculating. He wasn't reporting, but it's not necessarily that it's, um, you know, Gordon Hayward or Kemba Walker type player to New Orleans for uh, Drew Holiday, but it could be a third, there could be a third team in there. And I think that's where Indiana comes in. I know Indiana likes Gordon and, you know, I don't know if the Pelicans would like, would want someone like Gordon, but my thing is that uh, I would rather trade Gordon than Kemba just because um, like I said before, it's the guard depth right there. And I think that, you know, Drew's going to be your starter, you know, with Kemba, Kemba, Drew, Jalen, you just take Hayward out um, and just slide everyone down. But um, Miles Turner, you know, I'm not like, I like him, but, I know a lot of people that I respect their opinion think he's very bad at basketball. Um, and, and I'm not going to stand for him because I just haven't watched enough Pacers. But um, you know, a couple of years ago, he led the NBA in block shots um, and he's a stretch five, but he doesn't rebound a ton. And, you know, you know, it's not like Celtics fans love centers that don't rebound. Uh, we're going to get a lot of, if they get him, we're gonna be like, oh, it's just like Al Horford. Uh, Al Horford did a lot of little things that I don't think Miles uh, Turner does, but Look, I like Miles Turner. I don't know if I said it publicly, so I probably shouldn't out myself now, but last summer, before Jalen signed his extension, I said, oh, I wouldn't be against Jalen Brown for Miles Turner swap, which I think now looks ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I was stupid, but I'm self-aware, and I'm willing to admit my mistakes. And But, you know, there's been that link there. Um, for some reason, Miles Turner has just been a guy that everyone's kind of looked at for the Celtics, and maybe – Maybe there's some smoke there, but I am pro acquiring Drew Holiday, but not uh, a Kemba Drew Holiday swap. I mean, the thing with this particular trade, so if you trade for Drew Holiday, the offensive pressure, because I'm assuming if, you, if you're trading Kemba out and you're trading Gordon out, either, either, either way, really, um, if you trade both, it becomes even a bigger problem. You put a lot of offensive burden on Jason Tatum at that point. Now, are you willing to say, you know, he's capable of, of, of taking this team, being the primary offensive player and, and being the, the lead ball handler on a championship level team? I think we all are comfortable with, with that particular option at some point. Is it now? I don't know. But if you trade Kemba or if you tra- trade Gordon or if you trade both of them, the offensive, you know, uh, the, the amount of offense that Tatum's responsible for jumps up a lot. I mean, I love Jalen Brown. He was terrific in the playoffs, arguably their best player, most consistent player in the playoffs. Um, is he ready for that number two you know, uh, uh, role consistently throughout a season and throughout a postseason? It's another question you have to ask. Is the, the beauty of Kemba – and I'm not saying Drew Holiday can't score. Drew Holiday can score. He can shoot the basketball pretty well. He moves the ball around. But 
Kemba at times can take over a game. And Gordon, I think if he's healthy enough um, and can, can stay on the floor for more than 40 games or 50 games or whatever, he could prove to you that he could also take over an offense if needed be. Um, having more guys that can score usually going to be a good thing for a team, right? I think we all can uh, agree to that. But having guys that can facilitate an offense, multiple guys can facilitate an offense, makes you more dangerous to guard. So as much as we want to hype up the idea of a fresh new team, because everybody loves, like, trades and movement and all these things when the offseason happens, it's not always a great thing. Sometimes consistency and having a team, you know, go through a season, look at what they're bad at, and come back the next season with sort of a new – uh, idea of what they can accomplish, and they've had more time to, to you know figure out how they play together. Like, that's a good thing. Continuity is a good thing. I mean, you hear that all the time with coaching. You know, Everybody, how many times, especially now, this off season right. is short. In off season, what you're saying is like that's the, like when it's it, when you're talking about trading Kemba Walker, Gordon Hayward, uh, you know, bringing in two new pieces um, right. in a vacuum. Sure, let's you know get our NBA two Ks out and let's let's see if that that, that works, but. In a month, they're going to be playing basketball. Or a month from the draft, uh, the, it, you know, it's crazy how short this offseason is. So your point is spot on. So if it's going to be something like um, a trade like that, I don't think that you're going to want to move more than one starter. Um, but to your point about Drew Holiday, I think that he could be – he could fill in in that uh, offensive initiator role um, that Gordon plays. Um, you know – I think Gordon had a great year last year. I don't want the Celtics to trade him. Um, I think that they're probably good right now. They could probably still make it to the finals with just the team they have now. I do think that they need depth at the guard position. I think that they need an above average backup point guard um, so that you don't, uh, you don't, when Kemba get, if Kemba gets hurt, I don't want to say when, but if he gets hurt, you're not relying too much on, uh, on just Marcus. I think you do need uh like someone that's a starter that started in the league, but is accepting a bench role. There are a lot of things at play here among them. Does Gordon Hayward want to be back? I mean, sure. He wants $34 million, but does he want to be back? Obviously we know Ryan Russillo, you know, put out on the Bill Simmons podcast, something we talked about with, uh, you know, your guy, Chris Forsberg there just last week saying that he didn't believe that Hayward actually wants back to Boston. There are some people that have said that the families moved back to, uh, Indiana for school purposes and, and the score. And I don't even know if that's true, by the way, that's just stuff that's floating around on social media. The other thing, the other part of this, and it's all directly kind of intertwined. And this is, I, I have a lot of thoughts on Kemba, but among them, look, I think, I think they love, love Kemba Walker. It, I think they love him all that much more so because of the guy that he followed, <laughs> you know, that's, that's a big part of it. But I think that, there are, I think even though Danny Ainge hasn't outright said it, I think that they are probably internally petrified of the future of that knee after, you know, him being hampered, hindered by it over the course of much of the last calendar year at this point in time. And that was just year one of the deal, not knowing what lies ahead in these next few seasons. And so if you can move them in a deal that makes sense, do you do it? That's one part of it. The other part is, and and I do think this is relevant. We've, you know, we've talked about this a lot with Hayward, you know, in past years, not now that he's a free agent, haven't talked about it at all with Kemba, but it all kind of stems back to the Isaiah Thomas thing and the Anthony Davis thing and his dad and all of that. Kemba Walker, you know, went Al Horford, Gordon Hayward, Kemba Walker. 
Kemba Walker is now to date, in my opinion, and I think everyone's opinion, the biggest name free agent the Celtics have ever signed in terms of a guy getting that deal and being, you know, around his prime and all of that. If you trade him one year in, that could be a massive PR hit among players around the league, which is something that I know it's business first for Danny Ainge, and I just want the best possible team that's out there. I don't feel, Max, that that's something that he could ignore, though. No, it's not. But And I agree with you. I think I, that's why I don't think they're going to trade uh, Kemba, and I think it's why they wouldn't have entertained trading Gordon before, you know, going now that he's going into his last year. I think that, you know, they're obviously open for that. Um, but also think about it this way. And, and where it would hurt them would be in free agency. They're about to lock up Tatum. They're about to be cap-strapped for, um, you know, the foreseeable future. This core, this mm-hmm. team, they will not be players in free agency for big names for a very long time. So Danny may look at it and just say, look, I got to bite the PR bullet here. Uh, and if it takes me to the promised land, if you, they put a banner up there, is it going to matter? But it's absolutely should be on their mind because the Isaiah thing, I think for sure hurt them. Um, and, and, and again, for a team that for years and years and years just could never get uh, the big name free agent to finally get a, a Al Horford and then a Gordon and then a Kemba and Kemba. We are so grateful for Kemba. I mean, it was going to be a dark summer last summer. <laughs> with Kyrie leaving and like, and then Kemba comes out of nowhere. And you're like, Oh my God, you want us? You want us? You want to come here? You don't want to like, <laughs> you're not just like, happy because you got traded here. You chose to come here. Uh, that was great. And uh, I know Drew Holiday is a great human being. Everyone raves about him. I mean, Kemba, they love him. That chemistry, I don't think we can uh, overstate it. They, the chemistry that the, that team had was great. They, almost got into a fist fight after a playoff game and the season didn't crumble. You know, I mean, they didn't end up uh, moving on to the finals, but at the end of the day, that would have never happened the year before that would, they would have melted down. There would have actually been fights. People yeah. would have. <laughs> uh, so would I have melted against Toronto instead of uh, Miami. They would right, have gotten yeah. past Toronto. No, they would have punched each other right. after game one of Philly or something. You know, it, it's, but I do think that that matters too as well. Uh, but you're right. The point that you bring up about the knee, I mean, boy, the guy for a guy that never missed games ever in Charlotte to come in and all of a sudden have a knee as a small 30, 30 year old guard, it is bad. But I think that a lot of people see that and it's going to be harder to move him. And I don't think it's going to be worth the hit that Danny would take unless it's in a deal for Drew Holiday. But again, I think Hayward's the guy in that situation. Yeah, in order to, in order to, you'd have to be. I don't mind this. If I'm a player, yes, Danny's like history of trading everybody is is, a, is sort of a negative. However, the flip side of that is, if I'm a player, I would say like, okay, Danny's willing to do whatever it takes to make this team the best team. And if you're a player there to understand like, okay, you might not be the guy that ends up here, but this team is going to be the best version of this team at some point. I agree with you though, that I think it's a bad PR look if they trade both Kemba and Hayward, I'll Hayward, maybe not so much, but Kemba one year into his deal after getting hurt. And even then like still playing at a pretty elite level. I, I, I don't think they're going to trade. They're not going to make a bunch of deals. 
just for the, 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 just to do it. I think, you know, if you trade Gordon, you entertain the idea of moving, of, of moving Kemba. But I think Adam said this a little while ago, it takes two to trade. And Danny t- says this all the time. Danny's not going to make a deal that doesn't benefit Danny Ames. I mean, we've seen that. Wow. I mean, he, he's held on to Jalen Brown. He's held on to Jason Tatum. He's held on to all these picks. He's held on. He's, he doesn't do a deal unless he feels confident that it's going to help him. Now, he's also, on the flip side of things, trying to trade four first-round picks for Justice Winslow. And luckily for him, Thank God it didn't go that way. So, you know. That's it, the ones that didn't happen. Right. So, it, it's, it, it, it's interesting that they're involved. And now where this, the news is coming from is always something that I always try to find out. Like, where is this getting leaked from? Is it coming from Danny? Is it coming from somebody else? And because Steve Bopet, um is not, you know, you know, on the beat right now, we don't have anything concrete. You know, that's the guy that's Danny's mouthpiece. Or Jackie yeah. McMullen hasn't come out with anything yet. So that, then you know, like, that's coming directly from the Boston Celtics. So, you know, I, I am interested in the next couple of days to see if, you know, what kind – because this team, as we talk about it, this team needs a little tinkering. I mean, they have their core, right? We've talked about this a lot. They have their core pieces. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are the two ones that we know. We throw Marcus Smart in there. We throw, you know, Kemba Walker in there, but we're not totally popped about those. But there are some moves they need to make because they're not complete yet. They need to make a couple of moves in order to become a real change of contender. Chris Mannix was on our draft show, too, and he made a really good point. Uh, This pick, this number 14 or whatever it becomes, if they do end up taking a player, they have to hit a home run here. Or they have to at least get a solid rotation player that contributes to winning for the length of that rookie contract. Because like I was saying before, they're cap strapped now uh, and they don't have any more. This is the Memphis pick. This is the pick that we've been talking about for years. It's finally here. Danny's, you know, coffers are empty after this. Uh, If he can't flip any of those other picks uh, for maybe in future years, but, uh, and other teams know that. And, you know, Danny doesn't lose trades. He does not uh, settle for a trade that's bad. So because that, you know people were really upset that he didn't trade the the Milwaukee pick uh, for mm-hmm. you know, the ninth guy on the bench or the tenth guy on the bench, you know, for shooting. And I kept trying to tell them like whether you agree or not, Danny does not lose trades. He won't trade for a guy that's about to be a free agent, you know, for two months. He won't trade a first round pick. That's not his value. He does not. He 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 has a, a consistent way that he values picks. And if it's not, if this deal, even if he's got extra picks, it doesn't matter because then he's setting a precedent. Someone could say, "Hey, look, you took you traded a first round pick for this guy last last time. Why won't you do it this time?" He doesn't want that. So, um, we'll Timothy see. Mozgov went for two first round picks. Just to your point, right? Hmm. Exactly. So I mean, and look. Kyle Korver went for uh, a first-round pick. Uh, you know, there's so many uh, – who was it? The Bogdanovich, uh, the Wizards yeah. traded, traded a first-round pick. And great when they did that. I remember <laughs> that's what bad teams do. Bad teams trade first-round picks. But at least him, he was like a starting-level player. I mean, I had people in my mentions mad that they didn't trade for Alec Burks or Glenn Robinson III. Like, are you kidding me? I mean – a first round pick. This like, guy's Philly, killed it for Philly. Seconds and and again, it's it was about being able to take both players and look. There's a lot of things that go into it. Uh, Danny's going to try his hardest, I'm sure, to consolidate those picks. If not, we're going to get Anti Zizic and Yabuselli again, like we did in 2016. <laughs> but we don't have the luxury of the third pick like uh, they did in in 2016 with Jalen. But um, that's what's going to happen. If he can't move those picks, they're going to have to stash guys or trade out. 
Um, but it's not like Belichick. You know, it's not as easy, I don't think. Um, and he traded out last year with Bible, and that's not looking like a great deal now. Um, but I don't think he ever. they were ever targeting Thibel. They were just taking advantage of a poorly run team in Philly. How's the Sixers fan in Celtics country holding up? Oh, great. Now that uh, Doc Rivers is there. I mean, ooh, <laughs> they're all boring. I'm a little, I'm a little nervous about. Uh, about how good you feel about it? <laughs> no, about splitting up Ben and Joe. I, you know, I'm a process truther, so I want them to win a championship together so that we can give middle fingers to everyone. We're going to have it, buddy. <laughs> Sorry. You and I, would, look, I wouldn't be worried about the Sixers. Let's just put it that way. Which yeah, one do you I'm keep, though, Max, before, before we uh, get out Embiid. of here? You keep, you keep Embiid? I love Embiid. He's my kid's favorite player. Uh, he's an alpha in every sense of the, the word. He is, you know, you just look at the stats, the games where he is, like, the highest usage. They have, like, an absurd winning percentage. Like, absolutely absurd. Uh, like, I love Ben, but he's flawed as a player and as a human. His brain, something wrong with it. He won't shoot threes for some reason. Uh, and it's 2020. You have to shoot threes if you're a point guard. Um, but like I said, I love them both. I want them to stay. But if I had to pick. Uh, okay. Well, I want to remind you the show brought to you by betonline.ag. Go to betonline right now for your exclusive sign-up bonus. Max, this was a treat, bud. Not only uh, having you on for the first time that I was hosting anyway, but uh, to, you know, obviously explore all this stuff, but more so to go down memory lane and talk about Tommy and, you know, the great loss for the Celtics and uh, NBA communities. And, you know, even you know this better than, uh, than, than we do as it relates specifically to him. But even when you know that something like that is, is coming down the pike and it, it doesn't really help you brace for it, the, uh, the impact. So when it's, it's been a good reminder uh, of uh, the impact that Tommy Heinsohn had on, in, in all of our lives as Celtics fans, not you, a Celtics fan, but all of our lives, uh, you know, just being around here, growing up around here. And special guy, he'll be missed, truly irreplaceable. No question about that. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. And what I've been saying to a lot of people that have been, like, sending me condolences, I say, look, Tommy was just as much your family as he was ours. You know, uh, he was the the voice for all, like you are saying, for all Celtics fans for years, you know, for 40 years. So, I mean, he was part of the family. He really was. And, and like I said, every interaction I had with Tommy was just like he is on, on TV. So you knew him. You guys all knew him. And uh, he was a, a real treasure. And we're, you know, we're at a loss now. We, we lost a great one. But um, his impact will not be forgotten. All right. Well, for Max Letterman, for Evan Valenti, I'm Adam Kaufman. Thanks, everyone, for joining us here on uh, another edition of Celtics Beat. And remember, Stuff's coming quick. You know, I don't know if we'll have another show before the draft or if we'll tackle it right after and sort of in between the draft and free agency. But whatever the case, however it uh, works out on the calendar, we'll be back with you real soon with much more to talk about and maybe, just maybe, a somewhat different-looking roster as well. All right, be good. Stay safe. We'll talk soon.